Oh man, my my bad. I thought I thought that was Zach Harvey. Yeah, I got I got I got who, I, I know who you are now. Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Well, Coomer, you know, today is a special day. And I don't think today is my job to tell you what kind of day it is. We have a special guest today. Mamadou? It's a great day to be a Bearcat basketball fan. Great to have Mamadou Diara on the podcast. His interview comes later in this episode. Lots of great stories about the past season. He's a hilarious character, a fan favorite, and someone who has lots of belief in his own game. Um, it was it was great to interview him. So yeah, make sure you stick around, all right? We got some good stuff coming up for you, but stick around. Before we get into that interview, Hummer, let's talk some Bearcats. A couple weeks ago, Keith Williams formally entered his name into the upcoming NBA draft. If there is an NBA draft... When there's an NBA draft, who knows? Uh, but it's an interesting development for the Bearcats and their prospects for the upcoming season. So I'm not surprised he did it. And, you know, if there's, depending on what he's going to get, he's going to deserve whatever news he gets, whatever, uh, you know, feedback that he's going to get, whether positive or negative, he's going to deserve it because he works hard. And but I do also think that there's probably some areas that he's going to get told he's going to need to develop before he's truly ready to be drafted in that first second round uh, in the draft. So while I'm happy for him, I definitely think you hit on a, a big point there. It's it's about going through the process. It's about seeing what getting that feedback and saying what is it I need to develop on in order to become a true NBA prospect. And I think that's why you go through that process nowadays to being able to to get that type of feedback. I ultimately think. He's going to be back at the Cincinnati Bearcat. But you, you said something on Twitter that I thought was interesting and wanted to ask you about that because you you actually said this maybe an unpop I think an unpopular opinion or or a controversial statement that you think that his feedback that he's gonna get is vastly different, potentially better than the feedback Jaron Cumberland got. Absolutely. So I I really framed it as it might be a surprising statement, but I don't think it's very controversial to say Keith Williams will likely be a much more tantalizing NBA prospect than Jaron Cumberland. The NBA is a much more athletic game. Players are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, they're more skilled. And you have to have a certain level of athleticism to hang at that level. And if you're not the most talented athlete, you just have to be the most skilled basketball player on the planet. Think about Steve Nash. You know, he's not a guy that he certainly doesn't have all of the crazy, you know, eye-popping athleticism you think about. Now he's extremely coordinated, you know, um, very gifted at ball handling, lots of skills. Um, but for Jaron Cumberland to be a true NBA prospect, he would have to be, you'd have to have just either a higher level of skill, much more of a higher level shooter, more athletic. He doesn't have those things. Keith Williams, he's not the most skilled player, but those skills have continued to grow but he is an exceptional athlete. And so when a team brings him in to work out, I look at it like Keith Williams, 6'5", long, rangy, shows an ability to, de to defend at that level. We'll see how, how all the measurables work out. But then they might also see it, say, hey, look, this is a player who came in as a freshman, couldn't make a shot, you know, shot in the 50s from the free throw line. Now his junior season worked up to a high 70s free throw shooter. He's now hitting three-point shots at a mid-30s clip, around 34%. There's something to work with here. Clearly, the work ethic's there. The athleticism's there, there. They look at him as someone they can bring into their system, develop, and make into an NBA player. And so if the NBA draft process right now is very much up in the air. Um, with COVID-19, things are being pushed back. We don't actually know when the draft will happen. We don't know when players can go and work out for teams. That is probably what's going to hurt Keith Williams. Because I think, similar to Jacob Evans, Keith Williams is the type of player, if he got in front of NBA scouts and NBA personnel, he may jump off the page more than if you just watch his game tape. Because in his game tape, 
you may not get as good of a sense for what he could actually be at that next level. Jacob Evans got, you know, worked himself into being a first round pick largely based on how well he did in those individual workouts. And if Keith Williams doesn't have have the opportunity to do that, it might hold him back a little bit and it might make it more likely that he actually comes back to Cincinnati. Yeah. And let's keep in mind though, like, you know, these players, they work hard for these opportunities, but in the end, just because he declares for the draft, isn't necessarily a bad thing for the Bearcats. One, it's going to increase the visibility of the program by saying, hey, guys who come to Cincinnati have the opportunity to work out in front of NBA scouts. Guys who come to Cincinnati have the opportunity to play in the NBA. Guys who come to Cincinnati have an opportunity to thrive and have lasting careers in the NBA. So the more players we get going through this process, the better it's going to be. Because I'm hoping, I hope to God we see this in three years from guys like Tari, Tari Eason and Mike Saunders Jr. You want to see us developing players as a program going and going into that NBA draft status. Oh, I, I agree. It's not a bad thing if your program's churning up pros. We need more Cincinnati Bearcats in the NBA ranks. It's good for your visibility. It's good for recruiting. It's good to show that you have a coach who can get guys to the next level. Um, I'm wishing Keith good luck. You know, I hope that he does have the ch- have an opportunity to meet with teams in person and really show what he's capable of. Because I honestly, Hummer, I'm to the point, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big believer. I think if Keith Williams has the opportunity to work out in front of scouts, all it takes is one team, and if, if he gets the right team that sees sees him as a as a project that could develop into a role player in the NBA, you know, most likely he projects to someone who's, you know, he's probably a, a bench wing, it could be a defender, and it all really comes down to can he be an effective shooter at the next level? If there's teams that think he can do that, he could work himself into being, I would say, probably a mid-second, late-second round pick. All of that, time will tell. I think I'm very interested in getting some expertise on this matter to talk about his draft stock. And that's something I think folks can have to look forward to. We're working on, we're working on that now. And I want to make sure we have an in-depth scouting report from an NBA perspective uh, for what Keith Williams could bring to the table at that level. We'll have that coming, coming soon, but really we should be wishing him the best. There should be no resentment or bitterness. And there's still a very good chance that Keith Williams is wearing black and red come the 2020, 2021 season. Yeah, and, and let's also put that in perspective. You know, some of the reasons, and you, you touched on it before, but uh, the NBA is looking at the prospect of losing a billion dollars of revenue this year from having a shortened, if not canceled, season coming up here. You know, we may be looking at a prospect that there is no NBA Finals. Uh, that's scary to think, but it is a possibility. And that being said, the decreased revenue is going to affect the league on other levels, including their developmental leagues. So if he's not able to able to get an offer that's right, that's right for him, he may elect to just stay in college another year in order to get that better offer. Great point, Hum. It's not it's not that the NBA is going to scrap the G League because of a bad, you know, one billion dollar loss. It's obviously it's huge. It's it's just an incredible potential loss of revenue for the league. Already at this point, they're going to be losing hundreds of millions of dollars. Whether they, they can recruit recoup any of it by resuming the finals or resuming the playoffs, TBD. Uh, I don't think that it seems likely at this point. Um, that means they're going to make cuts. There's going, there's not going to be as much money to go around in those cases. Teams are going to be uh, saving money in any way they possibly can, be it. They've already talked about how it's going to affect the cap space on these teams. So it's, it's yeah. al- there's already been a financial the impact is already being looked at from even just the, the traditional roster. Right. So you're going to naturally see that trickle down. Right. And I'm not going to pretend to know or be able to see exactly what those changes would be. I just can't help but think it may make jumping into the unknown a little bit less. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit less desirable than in years past. And so I think if you are a player who's on the fringe like Keith Williams would be, um, it's probably tougher for him to make the jump this year than than in other seasons. And uh, yeah. we'll see what happens there. Now, I think it also matters, too. Does he want to play? Is it specifically the NBA he's looking at? Is it just a, the opportunity to play professional in general? Because I'm, I, would high, I would almost suspect there's teams out there overseas that would jump at the chance to have someone like Keith Williams, athletic as he is, the abilities that he has, and what he could develop into. There's definitely some overseas teams that would that would love to have them on their roster. It's a matter of, is that what he would want to do? And I don't know. I can't answer that question. I don't know if anybody's actually asked him that question. 
Yeah, I would love to ask him that question. But again, the new reality, COVID-19 impacts that as well. International travel is not in the cards at this point. Those leagues abroad in, in Europe and so forth, they have also stopped operating. And their ability to scout and recruit and try and get U.S.-born players out to their leagues to play basketball, again, that's probably hampered a bit because of what's going on with with COVID. So, you know, all that's to say, I expect to see Keith Williams. I think the, the odds are in our, our favor in having him back on campus. I think that's exciting because he is someone that John Brandon is clearly excited about from day one as the Bearcats coach. He was excited about what Keith Williams brought to the table. And just recently on, on Chad Brendel's podcast, Brandon talked about how he expected Keith Williams to take a massive leap next season. So let's hope that's the case. And with that said, Hummer, let's talk a little bit about what our current roster construction looks like, setting up a big question to be asked. So let me just run through it real quick. Our depth chart, as I'm, you know, my novice expertise would say or would would indicate would be point guard. We've got a starting point guard right now of Micah Adams-Woods. Mike Saunders Jr. would be the second on on second on the depth chart. Mason Madsen rounding that out as kind of a hybrid uh, combo guard. At shooting guard, I would say the top of the depth chart at this point would be Zach Harvey, just based on his pedigree, his upside. Let's assume that an offseason um, does wonders for him and he comes back ready to contribute in a more major way. Behind him, we probably have Gabe Madsen. Uh, after that, at the small forward position, I'm sliding in Keith Williams as our starter. Uh, behind him, most likely someone like Jeremiah Davenport. But you could also see Gabe and a few of those guards get get minutes at the small forward position as well. Power forward, I continue to slot in Tari Eason as our starter based on everything we've, we've heard about his game. 6'8", long, huge motor, ready to come in and impact as a freshman in the same way that I would say a Jason McSeal or a Gary Clark did. That's kind of what I'm I'm expecting for Tari Eason. High expectations, I know. I think he's up for them. Behind him, big question mark, Prince Toyambi. Will he play basketball again? Not sure, but he's worth mentioning because as of this podcast, he's still on the team, and we're all still rooting for him to get back on the court. At the center position, I have continue to slot in Mamadou Diara as the starter. This is where you'll be best utilized. Mamadou Diara should not be a power forward. He should be your starting big man. He should be the uh, the centerpiece for our team, both defensively and being an, uh, an offensive player who could go out, stretch the floor from three, and then backing him up, Chris Vote. That rounds out our scholarship players, Hummer. So my question to you, Hummer, John Brandon is currently stranded on an island. This is totally hypothetical, by the way, or maybe it's not. He's totally currently stranded on an island. Well, it must be hypothetical because we know John Brandon will, because we know John Brandon, we know he will start. You know, our wish list is that, let's let's clarify that, our wish list is Mamadou should be a starting center. And I think in an ideal world, we're actually not running a center. We're not running a traditional center in, in, my, exactly. in my, I think, in its real world view. Exactly. I think when you have kind of the offensive limitations that this team may naturally have next season, the way you counter that is by giving yourself as many potential options to spread the court as possible offensively, and Mamadou does that. Now, back to John Brandon being stranded on an island. Because isn't that's, he there? He is. Is that real too? He's so on this a, isn't, once he's again, on we're not island. hypothetical. Yeah, I don't know how stranded he actually is, although there's no planes flying these days, so I think he is actually stranded on an island. With Chris Mack. With Chris Mack, Chris Mack's wife, and both of them, uh, both of their kids. Uh, just a surreal scenario. Uh, never in my life. Home and home? Is that what, is that what I'm, is that what I'm sensing here? Is that what we're smelling? Is that a hypothetical? <laughs> I'd love it. Home and home, baby. <laughs> All right. Back, back to your hype, back to the rest of this hypothetical. Now we're, now we're getting, now we're, now we're trying to, to wish list. Major digression here, but what is the profile of the two players that John Brandon envisions joining the team as graduate transfers? I'm not asking necessarily for specific names, but if John Brandon knew he was going to add two grad transfers, assuming that's the number, what do those players look like? What is their skill set? 
You know, I, I'm going to generalize here because I don't want to get into specific skill set in particular, but I think you need big athletic. If you look at what we're what we're losing, we're losing a freight train in Jaron Cumberland, who's not the tallest guy on the court, but he's 6'5", 210, and can muscle his way to the rim. You know, so that's that's a huge piece you're missing. But I think we'll we'll have a little more finesse there with Keith Williams being able to step up. Maybe not necessarily putting 30 points on the court or on the floor every day, but Keith Williams definitely is gonna. If this is his year to be a big big leap, he's gonna be a 20 point player. So he's gonna be a 20 point per game type player. That's what he's gonna have to be. But I really think we're gonna be missing uh, is someone who's in that six seven, six eight, six nine, uh, two two hundred athletic and jump, uh, rebound score close to the hoop i know you were saying mamadou dr playing down down low but i'm really looking for another wing who has the ability to with some quickness to the rim so it sounds like what you're describing is is your first priority is replacing a guy like trey scott who had you know six eight size had the flexibility at switching on guards but obviously guarded the other teams opposing forward incredibly well it's what made him the defensive player of the year in our conference i think you're right i think that is one of the biggest priorities. Because when you even look at our depth chart in terms of big man options, we've got Mamadou, we've got Chris Vogt, and we've got Tari Eason. I'll slide in Jeremiah Davenport as an option because I do think he's big enough to probably play a little bit of four, but that's not a lot of depth. And, you know, I didn't I didn't include Prince Toyambi because he is such a big question mark. It's hard to expect a guy to bounce back from heart surgery one year later, and being a major contributor on a Division One high-level basketball team. So we're wishing for him to have the be- you know success coming back. But I do think priority number one, in my mind, is we need another body on our front court, just like you said, defend the paint, grab some boards, um, just being flexible as a defender. And if he can make shots, even better, because we do have a, a, a limited amount of shooting on this team. So I know you were going through and you're doing the exercise of saying what, you know, in your best at guess, who's playing what, what type of position what are they really? But if you're looking at what they're recruited as and what they're being listed as, we are a guard heavy team. We are not loaded up on forwards. We're definitely not loaded up on centers. And I know for, you know, I know we, we, we kind of touched on this earlier. This, unless we see a dramatic increase in, in the quality of play from Chris Vote. Chris Vote, I don't think, is a season-long option because he's too easy to play against. He's too easy to plan against. So, you know, and I'm not going to lie. I did see, I think it was on Instagram today or Twitter today, he's out there running steps in an empty stadium because he, <laughs> he's still on campus. So, you know, he's out there working hard. So there is, there is a chance that he's going to come back out and he's going to be playing the way he was in the middle of the season, and I would love to see that. Um, well, I want to make sure, that, too, like, let's make sure this podcast is on the record Chris Vote is playable and he's a viable he's a player that's good to have on the team, right? I just I just yeah. envision it usage-wise to be a little different. Like rather than making him your focal point, use him as kind of the spearhead of that second unit. Bring him in for stretches on each half where he is that go-to guy, but he's doing it kind of against the other team's second group of players. Uh where you teams aren't going to be as planned against him. You can bring it in, bring him in, throw the ball down low and he can still finish. But otherwise, when I do look through this roster, and while I, while I can nitpick it about whose weakness is what and where our depth is, one thing you can see, there is a lot of positional versatility. John Brandon is clearly interested in creating a roster of guys who can guard and play multiple positions so that he, you're not thinking of things in that classic basketball, basketball sense, like we really just did, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. I don't think John Brandon is as considered with the... Uh, he's not as concerned with the name of the title. position, the title <laughs> of the position. He's concerned concerned with who can I play, what lineups can I play that get the job done, that defend at a high level and play offense at a high level. I think it's a that's a good point too, because when you're also looking at what what we probably need coming in next year too, is we probably need some more shooters. I have a feeling we're going to be playing outside of Chris Vote on the court. We are going to be playing a more a, a court that's spread out more, especially with Mamadou when we're playing with that, whatever lineup that's going to come out to be shown, to be seen. I think you're also going to see, we're going to have to see some of our, our, our sophomores stepping up. So I think you're going to see a lot more Jeremiah Davenport coming in, 
in playing around there too and, and seeing him have to hit some knockdown shots and maybe he's that guy that has the ability to kind of step up and play more of a forward position be more of a trey scott s type player because he has the he has the relative height he's a little shorter than scott but not not quite there but he's still a big kid and he's 205 pounds so if he's getting more lean getting more cut being able to show his quickness and, and skill and getting to the hoop and being a presence down there i think that's a guy that maybe steps up so maybe instead of looking for that big lengthy athletic kid Maybe now you're looking for maybe someone's more of a shooting guard. Um, I know we're, you know, someone that wish list they're talking about Jalen Tate. I don't know anything about him. You know, I know he's is it's he's uh, the son of a former Bearcat player, so it sounds like there's there's a connection there. That's but a it's match also made in heaven. I mean, you can't let your you can't have your dad be Jermaine Tate, former Bearcat legend from one of the most legendary teams of in Bearcat history, and not join our squad. Come on, come on, Jalen. Well, I think I think too. There's probably more. It sounds like there's also a little more room than for just one grad transfer, uh, because it sounds like you know we're we don't really know who we're actually who's thinking about coming here. You see, all these players are mentioning us when they're saying yes, you know who they're being reached out to. So that's good. We're a big enough profile, high profile program. But at the end of the day, I'm going to ask myself this question and be skewered for for better or for worse. Do we want more? You know what? What do you want to call them? Low, mid-major prospects playing for the Bearcats. You know, we saw Jar- Javen Cumberland come to the Bearcats, and really, we were expecting him to, you know, to be lights out. But I think this, this, the quality of opponents overwhelmed him at times, and he wasn't able to play the way he was in Oakland. Valid question. You know, I think whoever we bring in, you need to make sure they can contribute at our level of basketball. Jalen Tate is a really interesting prospect. He plays into that exact concept of versatility in your lineups. You know, it sounds like he wants to play point guard. It sounds like he's an exceptional creator. He's obviously an all-league type defender. He won conference defender of the year uh, in the Horizon League. So he's clearly someone that John Brandon would value from that standpoint. Now, what he doesn't do is he doesn't offer a lot of shooting. So you, you might be limiting yourself in terms of what kind of shooting you have on this roster. That said... It's college basketball. Not every player is going to have every skill in the book, so you're going to have to make concessions. And I think if you can get a player like Jalen Tate, who you have familiarity with, there's nobody better qualified than John Brannon to assess whether he can play at this level, correct? He recruited him. He played for him at Northern Kentucky, and he thrived there. And if you look at the types of schools that are recruiting and trying and kind of wooing Jalen Tate, he looks to be a player that can contribute in the American Athletic Conference. And so he's a very intriguing name. We are probably one of the two, one or two leaders in the clubhouse to get him. And it'll be interesting to see it play out. You mentioned having room for more than one Hummer. I think it's a question of whether we go two or three. I think there's a chance we do go three deep in grad transfers. And if not grad transfers, maybe we sneak in and pick up a, a late a late freshman where uh, you know there was just a big decommitment from Wichita State. I think their entire roster is turned over at this point. It is quite embarrassing for Greg Marshall, um, but there's there's still opportunities out there to be had. John Brandon proved last season he's incredibly adept at making you at surprising you in terms of who he can get on the roster, and it's it's exciting to watch him fill it out going into next season. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited either way who we end up with. You know, mainly because I'm just. I'm excited to see the John Brandon style of ball that didn't necessarily fit the roster we had this year because of guys that were a part of the team, um, just as in general, the leftover pieces from McCronin. So I'm really excited to see him get some guys who believe in the system, who are going to run run the offense. And, you know, it's been a long time, I think. I feel like maybe I'm just wrong because I don't remember, but I don't remember a team this young in such a long time. We're going to watch a core group of players that are going to play for the next three to four years in terms of, you know, seven, eight guys on a roster. And that's exciting to me. We're going to watch seven, eight guys go in and we're going to have huge senior classes coming up in four years, three years. We're going to have a huge senior class with three, three seniors followed by another one with four seniors. And all, all of them have the potential to be starters. There's from two seasons ago, Mick Cronin's final team, his final team at the university of Cincinnati only one player next season will have played more than, you know, 10 minutes per game, and that's Keith Williams. Every other player is not someone who is a major contributor on that team. That was two seasons ago. Incredible roster turnover, new coach, new type of roster. 
it really makes it difficult to anticipate exactly how we'll how we'll perform because you know I, I clearly the expectations will not be at the level they were this season. That doesn't mean though that they can't reach big heights because teams like this can be frisky. You don't know what kind of development you're going to see. Young players can take big leaps year over year, especially from freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior year. Those types of players, as they get acclimated to this level of basketball, and and every and the challenges it brings, they can surprise you. And that's what makes it so fun to cover. It's what makes it so fun to think about and talk about. And uh, we can we can we'll continue monitoring it here from the, from our podcast as we get recruits and as we get grad transfers committing to our program. We're going to do our due diligence in learning more about them watching some film, watching some video about uh, what what they bring to the table, and we'll talk about it here. Yeah, it's a, well, a good point, too, because I'm also forgetting that we we also have Chris McNeil, another guard, uh, who's who's leaving us, too. So, I mean, we definitely got some holes to this fill out. And Chris McNeil, I mean, he was definitely lacking on the offensive side of the ball, but he brought a good defensive vibe to the team. And, and I know Brandon has, has said part of his philosophy is to run – defense out there so you know maybe that's where the Jalen Tate is really going to fit into if he's a really defensive player of the year he's going to come in and provide a good defense off the bench yeah there's it's going to be interesting next year it's really hard to predict where we're going to be it makes it so much more fun it's it's fun to know it's fun to not know what's going to happen now that said we thought we knew what was going to happen last season and the Bearcats made the tournament we we did make the tournament (laughs) but we played seven overtime games our best player was benched for a coach's decision. Uh, obviously, the the whirlwind that was 2019-2020 was incredible. I was glad, still happy with how it turned out. But like Cam said, the the threshold between a successful season versus a unsuccessful season was fractional at best. Yeah, I mean, but you can say that about a lot of things. We're th- we thread the needle last year. I, I still think the depending on the way the next season goes. Well, it looks like Houston is, is about to be stacked. Uh, that's that's another story for another day. But, uh, you know, the way this thing goes, there's no reason why any Bearcat team can't be competing, you know, for, for a top five spot in this league. There's no reason we should ever fall below the <laughs> the lower half of this of this league. We should always be finishing, I think, in the top five top four just with our pedigree our history the you know everything about us best home court in the league according to kelvin sampson very true so there's there's no reason why we shouldn't be optimistic and there's no reason why we shouldn't be putting our trust in john brandon who is literally surviving on a deserted island (laughs) with chris mack (laughs) okay hummer we've kept the people waiting long enough it is time for our interview with Mamadou Diara. Let's do the do, baby. We are now joined by the man himself, Mamadou Diara, current active player on the Cincinnati men's basketball team. Mamadou, thank you for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Basketball Podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you guys? We're doing well. We're excited to be talking to you today. You're you're a popular man on campus. Uh, you made quite the name for yourself over the last season, and uh, for that reason, it's uh, it's exciting to get to speak to you, even during these these weird times we live in. I know you, like everybody else, are currently self isolating. Are you still on campus right now? I'm still on campus. Yeah. Okay. What do are you? you uh, do you roommate with anybody? Uh, no, nah, actually, I don't have no roommate. I, I was rumored with Jevin, but uh, Nias like is gone, so they want everybody to here to uh, they want everybody to be here by themselves. So, so yeah, I'm still here by myself. Wow! So you're by yourself, literally self isolated. What are you doing to to pass the time at this point? Oh uh, well, I do a lot of things. You know, I I was just playing golf before uh, I got I got I started talking to you guys, but. Uh, I have a lot of things to stay, make myself stay a little busy, and you know, uh, most importantly, you know, do some cooking show. And now I got TikTok. I don't know, you know, it's just like just low. This is those little things you you to make myself a little busy. That's it. Okay, so where does this the, passion the cooking show has been a big hit? <clears throat> <laughs> cooking show is a big hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Hope you guys will be watching that cooking show. Absolutely. Where <laughs> does the cooking show watched your golf game? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Where does the passion for cooking come from? You know, where what made you get into cooking? Well, actually, uh, watching Sherry Vaca doing his cooking show, doing some weird stuff. I, I mean, I steal that from him, but like, I do it my own way. Okay. It's <laughs> like fine. talk a lot about like you know, lot of lot of you know, silly stuff. I mean, it's just trying to make people smile and laugh. That's it, to be honest. So, do you have any favorite restaurants in Cincinnati? Uh, my favorite restaurant in here is like uh, uh, what is the place called? Uh, man, it's my favorite one. But you know, like sometimes, like you know, you forget. Uh, it's, uh and in downtown, by uh, what kind of food is it? Uh, let me see if I can think of it. What kind the of food is it? Place. Zaxby's. No, 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 no. Yeah, is Zaxby's? Zaxby's, yeah. Know. Zaxby's is, yeah, is a spot down there. I haven't personally been there. What kind of food is it? Yeah, it's uh, chicken and rice. Oh, yeah, nice. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's my food. And I like Mexican food, so I've been going to uh, uh, there's a spot by Xavier Campus, and uh, that place is the it's called uh, uh, ah, I Oh man, I'm, that, that's the, that's my problem. I'm I'm bad at remember. It's tough, you know, because we can't even go to restaurants right now. You can only actually support them by takeout, gift cards, things like that. So it's no uh, no fault of yours to be forgetting them at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. That's so true. besides cooking with golf, uh, do you have any other kind of side interests or hobbies that that would surprise people to learn about you? What do you like doing uh, outside of basketball? I play I play a lot of soccer. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, I play soccer a lot, even though I'm maybe six nine or whatever. Uh, yeah, I play soccer for fun all the time, and uh, I play video game uh, with my friends. I mean, I used to stop playing video because that was that was getting bad for my eyes and stuff, you know. But you know, during this time, you have to do something, you know. So I started playing bad video game again, and I play soccer still. So that's that's the thing people a lot of people don't know about me, and but I'm. Oh, good. What's your, what's your favorite video game? What are you playing right now? I play FIFA. I play FIFA, a uh, soccer game uh, with my friends a lot, and I play online. You know, just talk to people and talk a little smart. And uh, yeah, I play Fortnite. You know, when I when I can't sleep or when I I like I got some friends DMing me or you wanna play or whatever like that. Just I don't know, just to hear their news and stuff like that. But I just play Fortnite, FIFA, and I play. Uh, I play some video, other video game. A lot of people don't know about it. It's called God of War. So it's basically okay. like the whole like gods, like acting Athena's and Zeus and stuff like that. So and those those games are interesting. I've been on a little Fortnite and some NBA 2K20. Is there? Yeah. The, the, the funny thing is, I don't like. I'm gonna be a first basketball player. I don't know how to play 2K. <laughs> you know, I don't. I do not know how to play 2K at all. Like the first day I tried 2K with uh, Jaren, I believe he beat me by 50 or something like that. And I like, nah, this is not my game. And he was playing. You know, I don't know how to play, so he's just like trying to make fun of me. You know, play, make, make me play, and then beat me by 50, and then he's just like, he's just like beat me by 50. There's there's a good precedent too for uh, you know with the soccer playing you were talking about <laughs> with. Uh, with players who were really good at soccer to also then play basketball, Steve Nash, Hakeem Olajuwon, Joel Embiid, you're in, that's good company you're keeping. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, in Africa, you know, you have to when you grow up in Africa, you have to play soccer and a lot of different other other like other sports. Like people don't even hear about like in America here, like handball. We play handball there, which is like kind of like. You catch a ball and you take pass a ball and you know like kind of like layup type thing but you throw in a goal and uh we play like a lot of different a lot of different sports in africa you know so so when did you actually start playing basketball you know soccer when i started i started playing basketball when i was like uh, 14 15. okay you know so i started playing basketball a year later than or a few years, like two years later, I believe, and I came here when I was sixteen, seventeen, So yeah, I I, I played basketball kind of late, but you know, I, I learned fast because I was playing with like, so I start I started like practice with one of my coaches, like my my hand play basketball her whole life. She she uh is the Olympian. She played an Olympic uh thing back in Mali. 
so she she went to China in 2010 and played basketball and you know and stuff. So like I I, I got basketball people in my family, but before I thought basketball was like women's sports. I thought it was like basketball. You know, in Mali, like you play, everybody else playing soccer. If you're the only one playing basketball, they be like, man, you you probably like women's profession or whatever. But uh, I didn't care at that because it was hard for me to like. Just go to basketball court and play basketball and see hearing people be like, man, why you, what are you doing, man? Why are you not playing soccer? Why are you playing basketball? Like, man, you, you know, this type of thing. But now everybody, you know, started like, seeing like basketball is no women's sport in my life. But, you know, so that's, that's when I, I, I started playing basketball because of my hand, honestly. Okay. Are there any players that, you know, that inspired you or that you looked up to or that you maybe even model your game after? Like who, who were the guys you looked at? Like, Hey, I want to kind of, I see them as the kind of style of play or type of player I want to be. Uh, I mean, that's that's a good question. So I, I used to look at what I all do. My I mean, I, I'm, I was, I'm not going to be like him. Maybe, I don't know. But I used to watch him back, back home a lot. I used to watch every single tape. Like I, there was a time in Mali, like, I literally could tell you every, like, every single sound of the what commentary like the commentary do is gonna say in French about the video like it's when he's taking the jumper and stuff like that. So like because I watched the video so many times and I watched like a lot of acknowledge one but you know that was back in Africa like I say. When I came here I started like seeing K D and all those people I'm like man, I'm I'm trying to be like K D or something but you know uh, we everybody got different paths so so yeah, we we totally different. Well, yeah, but uh, since I come in college, honestly, like you know, like I find some new players like I really like and I really try to get my game to to their game, like Pascal Siakam and uh, you know, I, I play with Demar Johnson a lot. So like, okay, I, I like his but I like his basketball to be honest. I like like how he play, how he dribble and shoot and everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I look I look at some some people like him too. So, so he's, the- he's a great dude. Those are two guys with pretty good size who both handle the ball on the perimeter. Is that something you are working on or want to see yourself developing over the next couple of years with the Bearcats? Do you want to kind of work on that that handle so you can be an off-the-dribble type guy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely. I'm trying to work on that. I mean, I used to do all that back in, like, like I said, back in the day, when I was in high school, I used to be playing with small power. And then... Uh, but you know, so when I first came in college, I honestly lost all my confidence uh, because you know playing from small forward and just boom, you you in a fight, but and you're like, whoa, what is going on here? But stuff like the you know you don't dribble or you don't do anything, you just like running floor and stuff like that. I just got used to it so much. I've been doing that for two years or almost three years. Then I don't even really care about dribbling anymore. But now, like with uh, the new style of playing now, I'm I'm trying to get all my everything back like all my shooting and uh dribbling and everything back so it's, it's i'm getting there so before this hopefully before this thing is over i'm gonna be like <laughs> a really good board ender i'm not gonna say i'm gonna be a point guard but <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be a good good board handler all right my so gonna be we don't want to start spreading the rumor that mamadou diara is taking over for jaron cumberland as the point guard of the team <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, don't don't spread our rumor yet. You know, I'm just gonna surprise people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, seventy-one percent from behind the arc. You're on the way. Yes, sir. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I, I I I was I was kind of hyping that. Uh, what I was hyping that one day. I was like eighty-eight percent or whatever. I don't know what percent. I had. I was just I was just hyped, man. I was like, man, I don't know what I was what I just said with that, but you know. Hey, let me say this. If what? your percentage is at 70%, what that tells me is we need you shooting more three-pointers next season. Not less. We need more. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. I will, I will be working on my trees. Uh, whenever I start getting in the gym, to be honest, and just start working on my... Like, I, can't, I mean, you can shoot, like, but, you know, you don't know if he's going to make it. You know what I'm saying? So right. Some people, I'm not trying to be like, you know, whatever, but some people are shot taker that they're not, they're not shot making. You're a shot maker? You know, so like, you know, like you got 
I'm in Jamaica, man. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, that's why you take that's why you take all the time. You know, like a lot of people be like, okay, why you don't shoot when you open? Like, you just you don't shoot every when you open. Like, you know, you you, you know, sometimes like you tire, you catch a ball, but you open. You open for reason. So, like, you know, you gotta do something like that can make like you know the thing successful. Yeah, I think if that's why that. that that's why that's why I was trying to do uh, most of the time. But like I was open a lot. I know I knew that like five men don't guard me. So you know if if I take all shot that was open, like it will be it will be bad. Like it will be bad. So you mentioned kind of reinvigorating your skills of shooting of of just maybe the more the offensive skill set kind of coming out of you with the new style of basketball. How was the transition from? Coach Cronin to Coach Brandon for you specifically. How is how did that transition go in year one? Uh, actually, it was it was it was not as hard as people think it was because uh, before I before I start playing with Cronin, that's that's the same exact uh, like style I was playing before. You know, because I was playing fast. You know, I play I play in my national my team national team a lot, and back in high school like. I literally used to catch a ball and try and bring a ball up as fast as I can, or whatever. Somebody grab a rebound, I try and run as fast as I can, and then score all the like easy buckets. Because I know people, people in AU, especially people get tired, or people just trying to get fancy. So the one that's running super hard or playing hard or whatever, like she's gonna have the benefit. So with coaching, uh, it was just like tough toughness. Like you play, you play hard. You know, you go for every three and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a sin in that playing hard part. And but the speed of the game, it wasn't well there with Coach Cronin uh, when Coach Cronin was here. But with uh, Coach Brennan here, you know, me running up and down, don't care about the ball or whatever. Like he's just play the game, move all the time. Like she's trying to do screen for somebody. They guard on defense, like 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 you know, if you guys watch my AU game. Uh, I played one three one, you know, almost my all A season. I was doing the same exact thing. So I mean, I'm you know, coming here and redshirt the first year and second year very play was like not the thing. I was like I don't know. So I didn't see. I didn't get to use all like the thing I used to do before. My place like a lot of people say is a new is a new level. So everything is different. You know, everything is like whatever. Like, but you know. So, the transition was was easy because I'm I'm used to both, and but with Coach Cronin's uh, style, I was I mean I was kind of confused. I ain't gonna lie, I was confused. <laughs> okay. I think my first year, I've, even my second year, people were like, "Man, you look lost. You look this." I'm, I said, "You're probably right. I, I look lost. I don't know. I don't know what do you what do you really want me to do. I'm just trying to play hard, but you know, and it's hard sometimes like to just play four and five and stuff like that. And I remember all the plays in four, and I remember all the plays in five. You know, and you never know which one is gonna call. Especially like I started learning English now even a long time ago. I started learning English when I first got in state. So it was it was just it was just hard, but you know, I got used to it after the first year. Second year I was getting better at it and boom. Well, this season it it was clear you got much you got much more comfortable on the court. It was obvious to anybody watching it, and I think by the end of the season, people were clamoring for you. The crowd was going nuts for you every single time you checked into the game. And anytime they saw a defender laying off you for a three-point shot, can you, I think Justin Williams may have talked to you about this, that feeling you get from the crowd. Are you someone who really does hear and feel the crowd when you're playing? I mean, I don't really care about the crowd when I'm playing, but at the same time, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, the crowd get me going, you know, like, when no. I catch the ball, they be like, oh, whatever they be like, do whatever. I'm like, okay, I bet I'm going to pass the ball back. And if I get it next time, then I'm going to be more ready. So the first time I catch it, but I'm not in a shooting stand or I'm in a position to shoot. And I just like, try to pass the ball back to whoever I got or to somebody else to get a better shot. But if they pass me the ball and then the defenders lay off me, then I'm, I'm going to take a shot. So, like, those kind of things, like, it's just not like, it's just kind of like a psychology, my coach back home told me, like, if nobody's guarding you, you know, you, you become a threat. Like, so if I shoot the ball, then the defender next time is going to guard me, so all the guys going to be open. But if he, the defender sing off me and then, you know, and help of cheering, then nobody's going to be able to play. So I'm going to be a minus on the open 
instead of being lost in the offense. So if I shoot the ball, I'm gonna be like a thread now. So you're gonna be like, okay, let me guard my let me guard this dude. Otherwise shoot. So like this. But yeah, the crowd the crowd actually uh helped help me with my game a lot and then, you know, my confidence and stuff. Basketball is actually honestly kind that's why I just relied and I've been relaxed for a very long time, you know. So I was just playing like I'm like, okay, uh, it's just it's it's gonna take me out or something. But uh you know, I was just playing with like like my mind full of a lot of things, like, okay, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. You know, let me focus on players, let me focus on defense, let me focus on this, and look at the coach, he's happy that I'm playing good, you know, happy I'm playing good. But you know, at some point, I'm like, man, let me just play my basketball. If he take me out, he take me out, you know. And then that that really works. And I play free, and everything started working out good. So I'm 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 hoping to keep doing that. And now, me and him, like me and Coach Brennan, like our relationship is getting like very stronger than I ever like have a coach in America like that. You know, we we are me me and him are getting close now than anybody else, to be honest. That's awesome. We were we were actually at the Temple game, and we remember specifically you had made your first three point shot, and you got the ball again, and you kind of had like that that step back where the the screen was in front of you, and you could hear the crowd just like. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He always he's always like that, man. He's always like that. But you know, Corona, you guys brought great crowd. The positive. Positive crowd. I know some of them, you know. I, I talk to most of it, most of not most of them, but I know some. I know some of them. So like, they just. I know. I know when I'm in the fifth year. I know somebody like I know sporting me, sporting house, sporting like everybody on the team. So they're not gonna be like, oh man, don't shoot this or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't care about the crowd, honestly. <laughs> but you know, I care at the same time because they, 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 they're there for to help. Uh, in- sure. Hey, has your has, well, get us to win. I was just thinking, has your thigh made a full recovery? My thigh? Yeah, after you, after, I think you were. <laughs> 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 hey, hey, uh, yeah, my thigh, my thigh made a full, full recovery. You know, you thought, you thought I was, you thought my old, my old mom after that, you know, she, she texted me right after that. He was like, mom, what, what lotion you put on or whatever? I was like, man, I didn't put on no lotion. She, <laughs> I love it. It's signed, yeah, was, it's signed to get in the weight room, you know, make it, I, I feel like it might make it more appealing though. Like the defenders might be more inclined to bite your thigh or maybe that was just a one-time thing. I, I don't know. I, I hope you never have to deal with that again. That was a, a yeah, unique I, thing to I, see. Man, that was that was that was the weird the weirdest thing I've seen in my whole life. I never experienced or even think about biting somebody in a game like, like I I mean like I do less Stevenson to people sometimes. Like I just, <laughs> like you know, blew the blue blue the face and stuff. But but bite, biting somebody, I never I never ever think about biting somebody before. The fact that this happened like that too. You know, they played before we were like in the free line. He was he was talking talking trash and you know, after I don't know what happened. Like, I was laid on the ground, if you buy my leg, I'm like, Whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. What is going on? We actually had to interview Melissa Cheney. Uh she was on scene. Apparently she spoke to you actually right after the game, made sure you're okay. We were able to give actual reporting to the people about the biting incident that happened against Houston and, and we're happy that you made a full recovery. So, oh who, yeah, who got it worse? But you were Keith Williams, who who had the worst the worst biting injury. Uh, actually, I didn't even know it be Keith until like I watched a video, and then they didn't even see my car until a day later. You know, they they did later people start seeing. Oh yeah, he actually bite dude, but you know, but um, but they, I didn't I didn't even honestly know um how you how you be Keith. Uh, it be me for for I, I was I had a mark too. I had to go and show Coach Brennan the mark of my leg. I'm like Coach Brennan, like, are, are you sure it's baby, baby? I said, dude, he said, he said, dude, come. So I went to I went to him. He was like, dude, look at, look at me on my face. Don't lie to me. Did he really bitch you? I said yes. I said yes, and I show I show him the mark. I show I show him the mark. You know, he was like, oh wow, that's crazy. 
And then they say, don't, don't react or don't do nothing. You know, they're going to look at the thing. So they look at the thing and they, they kick me out. Of- That's where you guys really forged that special relationship. But- That's where you and Brandon, the, real, the special relationship started, it sounds like, is when he knew he could trust you, that you were telling the truth, that you got maimed on the court by another man's teeth. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, the guy, the guy, uh, Joe or whatever his name is, uh, he apologized for me when, okay. when we were in Houston. So that that was, I said, I, I tell him, don't, don't worry about it. stuff up. But yeah, he was, that, that was kind of weird. He didn't even know why he did that. Though. I, you know, I know. Heat of the moment, was, you know, sometimes you just got to bite someone. Hey, let me ask you this. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this. Last uh-huh. season, um, you got a chance, I think, to defend and play against Obi Toppin, who's going to be a potential top five pick in the NBA draft. Am I right? Mm-hmm. How, yep. how was going against him? Man, that dude, honestly, is a little different. You know, <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I, I thought he was athletic, you know, but his athleticism is, is, is kind of like different. You know, he's just jumping out of nowhere. He, he can choose. It's like it's it's confident. It's like it's, you know, I mean, like he's strong. He's built with the, like his coach. You know what he's doing in the system. You know, like with his coach, his coach trusts him to do anything. You know, that's 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 the thing. It's all confident game. So he's he's he will do. He's, he take a step back. So I watched one of his game against Kansas. Yes. Like honestly, I'm not gonna lie to nobody. Like, I watch some of his highlights because I feel like I can I can play. You know the way you play, but you know it's all about confidence, and I gotta I. I gotta be a little stronger and and work on some some of my stuff but yeah but he's he's nah, he's, he's good you know play against him was was kind of hard i mean in the scrimmage he was he was shitting you know he was like playing you know like everybody was kind of like playing hard but he was he was playing hard at same time he looked like he's in a he's in a great shape so he's basically like playing like i don't know when the you're tired that's when he like he's playing playing, you know. Yeah, so it's it's good though. Playing against him was was not that easy to be honest. Guarding him was not easy at all. Cause I mean we all know his moves, but you know he like to spin in the uh, baseline and stuff like that. But at the same time, like he he fade away sometimes. Like he he do whatever he wanna do. So it's like guarding stuff card with the green light. So, like he just shoot it anywhere, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no so the shot hard. the shot you're talking about against Kansas, I remember it vividly. He was kind of in the corner. Cross someone over, step back three pointer, and I think he yeah. even, he stared at their bench after making the shot, or even while the yeah, shot was in the yeah. air. I mean, it was it was yeah, Steph Curry so, type stuff from a six nine forward. Exactly. So you imagine me, me doing that. I would if if me Cronin was here and I do that. Man, You're flying back home. Yeah. I really want to know is who won? Who won the secret scrimmage? Man, man, hey, I, I think the game was tight. <laughs> that, that's, the, the game was tight. I don't think nobody won. The game was tight. So me and, me and Hummer, we actually ran through the bracket that was never released. We got, a, we got an advanced. We're the only people in the country who actually got a copy of what the bracket was going to look like. And we actually told everybody who listens to this podcast exactly what was going to happen. We met Dayton, I believe, in the national championship game, and we won. So we got our revenge from the secret scrimmage, and we won the national championship. Congratulations! <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say, now, but <laughs> well, that was a, that was a good game. You know, we all had fun. You know, we we all were trying. We all play the same style, honestly. Uh, they play the style we play. We, play. we all play fast, and you know, play play the same way. Sure, it was Obi. And then they they didn't have no, like a lot of fives. Iwobi was playing four at five, and they were playing three-lander uh, at four. And then you know they had like number thirty-three and those guards. The guard was hurt that time, but they they were they were playing the same exact style. Sometimes they run something. I'm like, oh shoot, they run it. I think we're running, but you know so. But it was it was a good scrimmage. You know Great. it was tight game. Everything was it, it was fun. <laughs> So let me ask you this. This season, you and Chris Vogt largely did not play on the court. You didn't share the court a lot together. Oftentimes, it was your minutes were staggered. He would usually start games. And toward the end of the season, we saw you closing a lot of games. Going into next season, 
do you see yourself sliding into more of a Trey Scott type role? Or do you expect that you'll still be operating more in that five type position? Well, honestly, I, I, I talked to Coach about it the other day. And uh, we talked a little bit. And he said, like, we just get a little stronger, and which I'm doing right now. You know, I'm trying to take care of a uh, bit time. Like, I have right now to eat a lot and uh, get a little stronger. So I can I can play uh, the four and the five at the same time. But, you know, so this is, like, we we say, and I, I I can see so this is more opportunity for me, and to play at four, and then play at five, to if uh, you know work is tired or you know or something like like yeah like trade trade you know trade with them at five but you know like same thing trade so hopefully I'm gonna I'm gonna get more playing time and you know get more trust from coach and yeah do do my thing and help the team to win. So that's, that's what I'm looking for. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, we, we're very high on you on this podcast in terms of the versatility you bring to de- on defense. You know, you mentioned the one three one zone. Uh, love what you do there in terms of being able to play up top, but also how you spread the court uh, from the three-point line. So it'll be it's going to be really interesting next season with how much change there's going to be on the roster to see what Coach Brandon ends up doing with – with you, where he sees you getting a bulkier minutes, what kind of lineups he's running out there. And then I suspect there's a, probably another player or two uh, that's going to come on board here in the coming weeks. Yeah, we got, we got, we got good, good players. We got great players, actually. Yeah. Uh, this is like, this this next, next season, what people are not going to see is like, it's going to be like, it's going to be like, same, same thing as this year, but kind of like, you know, young, so nobody cares about anything. You know, you know, young players are like kind of dangerous. But, you know, you, people always say, okay, a veteran win the game and stuff like that. But young young players are dangerous because they don't care about nothing. They they are anybody. They they are not scared of anything. You know, venture player, they, they sometimes, okay, I'm going to, you know, take this place off. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. But young players, like, <laughs> don't care about nothing. Like, we, can't, we get on a car, we just... Don't care. Just hope. Just hope. Yeah. Just just play as hard as we can. And it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, especially in practice. You know, everybody's gonna be like, okay, I wanna I wanna get more playing time. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get this. So I can I can't wait to, for all this to happen. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. So speaking of practice, uh, we we asked this question to Leonard Stokes about who was the most dominant or hardest person to guard in practice. And, and he, he mentions uh, one of the UC legends, Steve Logan for you, who is, who is someone on the team who may have at one point made you look silly. And then at the same time, who is someone that you've gone and, and made them look silly? Oh man, that's, that's a hard question. But honestly, I feel like, you know, I'm not being copy and or anything, but I feel like all all of them are the same, uh, like guarding wise, because the, the way we guard people in practice, we, the way we guard each other in practice, is is totally different than the way you people see in a game. So sometimes you see like the way we guard in practice at the end of the game, like when we really like 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 what what Brandon say when we back when we back in the wall when we are like. We are like, you know, like, don't care about anything, but just trying. So that's the way we guard and practice the whole time. So, you know, like our practice is like 75% different. So we, we literally shrink the core. So nobody can, you know, nobody can ever do anything in the practice. practice. Like if you see somebody scoring a line in practice, that means that person is like guarding by like a manager or uh a walk, like I'm not saying walk on, but like guarding by somebody like that don't that don't respect or like that person is tired or injured or something. But you know the person that's really hard to guard in practice, I I would say is uh, like Jerry is hard to guard in practice because you know when when is like he's before you get tired, you just catch a point. It's just like dribbling. It's, it's strong. So like they, you see the thing you be see on a game, like they call charge on stuff on him. And in practice, like he bump you and just go score, you know. Yeah. He, and I he play he play super hard in, in the practice. And Trey fly everywhere, you know. Trey is like, <laughs> I mean, guarding Trey is like 
like you gotta you gotta prepare for guarding trade like a day earlier. You know, you gotta come and be like, okay, I, I know he's gonna go for every single rebound. You gotta get ready to bo box him out all the time. And it's hard to box out people like that go for every single rebound. You know, sometimes you be like, Okay, let me let let me let him get this one. Next time I'll be ready. Okay. So that's 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 I would say Trey and Jaren. Trey and Jaren are really, 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 really hard to guard in the practice. I mean Keith Keith is hard to guard too. So he's, I mean I, I I don't usually guard him a lot, but Keith is hard to guard. I feel like, like yeah, I feel like you and Keith are gonna I really especially if Keith comes back, right? You know, obviously he he went he declared for the draft. He is leaving the option open to come back to school, but if things go well, he wouldn't return. If he does, I think you and Keith actually, your skill sets pair really, really well together uh, because yeah. of what he does it well does. in offense and what you do well in offense, particularly. It does. Keith is a Keith is a great player. I like I like him a lot. He's, he's a good player. I mean, he's he's get frustrated over a little thing, but other than that, he's just, he's man. He go he go hard. He go hard in the practice. I mean, I don't I don't see anybody like. I feel like everybody go hard. Sam, Sam, whoo, Sam Martin, man. <laughs> Sam Martin is it like I would say like I don't know. I don't know if I I don't want to be sound. I don't want to sound weird or anything. But Sam Martin is the dude. Like man, I, I love him. I, I I like him a lot. He go he go super 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 hard. Like like man, I don't I don't even think people nobody can guard him. Like he's 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 short. He's like five five eight. Like, <laughs> it's time to give Sam Martin more minutes. Is that what we're saying here? We need we need more man, Sam Martin minutes. Hey. Sam, Sam, if Sam Martin plays, man, it's, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be different. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's, I, it's good. Sam is good. Like I, Sam is good. I, I don't I don't like highly talk about people. I mean, I talk highly talk about people, but like Sam, whew, Sam, Sam is good. Especially when he when he get on the ground, like he's short already. But when he get on the ground, he's different. Like he's it's just dominate everybody. Same is hard to guard. I would take that. I would take everything like after Jaren Trey, uh, uh, Keith. Sam Sam is the hardest dude to guard in a, in a practice. From not from only me, from from anybody else, from anybody. Picking like, my job off the ground. Shit. That was not the answer I expected, <laughs> but I I love that yeah, answer yeah. so much. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. She yeah. You see, not a lot of wins we getting like and stuff like that. It's not like. Only like players, like it's all is. Uh, I give credit to uh, you know managers and uh, work on skills that they they did. Man, they did great. They do great job every single day. They come and bring bring it like every every day. So you see a lot of wins we getting. It's not only about like us. It's not only about our coaches. It's about like all all the people like that been practicing. Like you know, starting from coaches, managers, like you know, like work on. You know, every everybody like I feel like work work on help us like more than anything. That this year, like, this year they help us more than. But we we had few bodies like people were hurt, people were injured and stuff like that. But you know, with work on and uh, you know, same being same, you know, like doing man, I was like every day I come to the gym like same. Please don't go hard me one on one today. <laughs> like, you have, you have to you have to guard him, you know, in the fifteen second drill and stuff like that. You just go back and forth like you're like, man, this dude, how much is gonna try and foul him low bit so coach don't see it. Otherwise, like you it's, it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. Broke your ankle or something. I don't know. It's just sounds good. So yeah. All right. Well we've got some we've got some guard spots to fill next season. There might be a role for Sam, maybe uh more minutes than we're anticipating. It sounds like Sam hey. Martin deserves a second look. Yes. Yes. I mean I'm I'm not a coach. I'm not gonna say all, all that, but but yeah. So definitely, if you get a chance, we're more than happy. If you get a chance, it's you know, it's like I said from the beginning. It's just this is a confident game. You know, you get you're confident and start playing, then boom, you can literally like be the greatest walk to ever play. In here. If I say that, that that dude Mitchell Mitchell gonna probably text me or something like damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, what are you talking about, man? But yeah, same same is good, man. The greatest walk-on in Bearcat history. Uh, all right, I'm I'm putting it out there. We're, that's the clip. That's the clip we're sending to the interwebs. Man. Yeah, that even... I'm gonna be like, man, dude, come on, bro. Yeah, well, yeah, Mitchell is good, dude. Yeah, yeah.
Fantastic. Well, Mamadou, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, Hummer, you got any parting shots for Mamadou? I know you're you're good with the last questions here. All right. So we ask uh, a few questions to all of our guests. We call them rapid fire questions. Okay. Uh, the first one is very polarizing. This is the one that will determine whether 50% of Cincinnati is your most diehard fans while the other half is just like, get this guy away from me. Skyline or Gold Star? Skyline. All of Cincinnati loves you. We thank you. Sir. <laughs> 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 uh, do you eat Grayer's ice cream? I, I have Grayer's ice cream before you. Yeah, what is your favorite flavor of Grayer's ice cream? Oh. Uh, Man, that's that's tough. That's tough, you know. Um, I'll go with chocolate. Just chocolate's a good one. Chocolate, solid, solid. Nothing, nothing too fancy there. N- nothing, nothing too fancy, you know. Just chocolate, cause I, we barely eat ice cream. To be honest, like the coach, Coach Mike, uh, don't let us eat anything like sweet like that or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. We but, we all just winked at each other, Coach Mike. <laughs> yeah. we're all gonna wink after this one too so okay when when we're not in season uh-huh. and you and the boys are like you know what i want to go have some fun tonight where do you go to have enjoy a nice cold soda oh uh, man <laughs> man that's that's tricky but oh uh, <laughs> but honestly i don't i don't i don't go out or i don't I don't even, you know, do those things. But I follow my, I follow my friends sometimes. You know, we go to, oh, in the church day, we go to St. Clair's. And, okay. uh, yeah, so. You know, but yeah, we, some innocent dancing, some uh, I, socializing. You know, like people, think, people think I'm weird because I don't do those things. Like, I don't I don't go out. And it, when you see me out, then somebody forced me or somebody's birthday on the team, then you, <laughs> they, they, they can go out with them or something. For real, like, I don't. I barely, I barely go out. I'm, I'm kind of weird about going out. But there is no point, you know. I go there and stand there and look at people. I don't do nothing at all. He's standing in a corner and boom. <laughs> standing in a corner, walk. shooting threes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, standing on the corner, you know, watching people walk on my shoes back and forth. Yeah. Because they can, you know, they really, you know, yeah, you told, yeah, I told you, yeah, I answer the question all the day, all, all night. Like, I mean, man, I should just stay at home and just do something over there, fun, you know, other than going out. But, you know, it's, it's fun sometimes, but sometimes it's not fun at all. Well, I think you not going out is good for the public because you have just one of the most incredible TikTok accounts. You're really fun to follow on social media. <laughs> uh, keep up the good work. If you're not going out during this time of, of quarantining, uh, I suspect the good content will keep on coming. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. Yeah, we we gonna, we gonna make some some new uh, cooking show pretty soon. Mamadou, thank you for joining the podcast today. We really <laughs> yes, appreciate yes, it. Uh, really fun to watch you develop and grow last season. Good luck next season. Good luck in self self quarantine, and uh, we'll talk to you next year. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Yes, thank you. Hey, by the way, I thought you were Zach Harvey. Because I was confused. I'm like, yo, Zach, why are you calling me like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, definitely uh, not Zach Harvey. <laughs>